0: Amen. Well, I was teasing Johnny today when we had our Sunday serve team prayer, and I asked the guys, I said, so, you know, does Johnny need more than one day to prepare to preach, or or did he do well, you know, because last week, uh, I only gave him one day when we were called out of town, and... uh I told him the scripture says that a pastor should be ready in season and out of season, so he's got to, you know, Johnny, I think I've told you before, that was not the worst, you know, I was visiting KK as a young preacher boy, we hadn't even married, and, and the pastor stood up and said during the offering, the choir's going to sing, and as soon as they finish, this young preacher's going to come up here and preach for us, I just met him a minute ago, I had no clue. <laughs> and so I had to I had to get my sermon during the choir special. Okay, so that was a little bit, you know, more notice that I gave you. If you have your Bibles this morning, join me in the in the book of Luke. And let's turn to Luke chapter 10. And if you're a guest or you're just now being able to join into this series, we've been looking at the Gospels and we've entitled this time Encountering Jesus. We're looking at different people. And how they encountered Jesus and what happened that we can learn from because you see every time we really study the Scripture we go to the Scripture and we say okay so what does it mean and what did it call out of my heart and now what am I supposed to do about it those are the basic questions that we always ask anywhere in the Bible that we're reading and so when we look at these encounters with Jesus you wonder how have I picked the ones I've picked well some of them I picked because they're favorites of mine. Some of them I picked just because I felt like they fit in the themes of what we needed to see. And today we come to an account in the Gospel of Luke. By the way, I don't know if you were able to get one of these handouts, but I've got a lot of fill-in-the-blanks that we're going to do, and I see my wife going back there to the back. Maybe she's going to get one, and she'll be glad to help. So will Andy if anybody needs one. Or a pen. will pass out the hand sanitizer with it, you know, and <laughs> so you can, you can follow along. Okay, so uh, I would like to encourage you, though, in in Luke chapter ten. Let let me go through the account, and I've, I've listed some of the things that happened in the encounter, and they they go like this: two sisters. The scripture says that there were. The disciples and Jesus he just finished giving the what we call the story of the Good Samaritan and it says that they were on their way and they entered a village we happen to know the name of the village though Luke didn't record it because it was the village of Bethany because that's where Mary Martha and Lazarus lived and as they entered this village notice it says that a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house I think perhaps that's significant you know I'm going to try to help us envision this text and to do so I'm going to have to raise some maybes uh, to see if we can explain it but if you see that it named Martha apparently Martha must have been the oldest sister because it was called her house and I'm just guessing that maybe uh, Mary came next or Lazarus was the younger brother I'm not sure the the birth order we have any clues in scripture to tell us that but Martha welcomed them into her house I just want to camp out there for just a second for you to see the hospitality of Martha having Jesus and the disciples to her home because we're about to give Martha a hard time <laughs> in the rest of the story. So I want you to see this part, that she welcomed him into her house. Now, she had a sister called Mary, and Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. It was pointed out to me in some of my reading that we see Mary three times, and she's at the Lord's feet every time. I mean, that's, that's just, she was, could sing that song of, I'm in awe of the one before me. And so Jesus came into the house. We're not really sure how many folks came with him. I've heard pastors try to teach that it was just Jesus coming in to eat with the family. And I've heard others talk about the big crowd of the disciples. And yeah, I don't know. Okay. But I can tell you that Mary left Martha in the kitchen. And that's when we go to the next part she was sitting at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching I could point out to you that like in some cultures today let's just see if I can raise your awareness a little bit there's some cultures today where women are totally ignored women are not allowed to be educated women are not allowed to drive it won't be hard for you to find those and you also won't be hard for you to find that often we as a nation do not address those inequities when we talk about them at home, but we fail to talk about them globally. Okay. This culture was like that. No expectation that the women would be taught, but Jesus welcomed her at his feet to listen to his teaching. Now, the scripture goes on to say that Martha was distracted. There's some pretty strong words here. So if you want to circle them or get them right, she was distracted by much serving. So she went up to him and she said, <laughs> Oh, me, can you picture this? She's rebuking Jesus. I mean, that's, that's really what, it, what it's like. She's going to Jesus because, I mean, she's had it. For those of you that have only one child, I've been told that really doesn't qualify for parenting, okay? It's when you get two or more that you learn parenting because you get to see the sibling rivalry. You get to see the temperaments come out. And I'm sure it's never happened in your home, but we had three daughters and one son. And there was often discussion about who was doing the work and who was not doing the work, okay? There was that, that accusing of, you know, why won't she help me? You know, it's her turn kind of stuff. Now, come on, don't sit there and look at me like, were your kids perfect? Would that never happen, all right? And so, Martha, she's like, she's had it, okay? And so she she comes to the Lord, and she says, Lord, do you not care? Now, can I just talk to you a little bit about conflict management for a minute, okay? If it gets to the point that you say, do you not care, you waited way too long to talk about it, all right? And if that's your opening line, you're probably not going to be able to resolve it without some conflict, okay? don't you care of course he cares but look what she says. don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone tell her then to help me I thought there's a lot of kids that would like to memorize that verse and quote it back to their parents tell her to help me alright so do you have the picture we've got two sisters we've got an invitation we've got teaching and we've got correction the Lord answered her Martha Martha, the repeating of her name was not like when we call the full name do do you have that in in you, you remember when you got called the whole name? I mean, when first, middle, and last name all came out together, you knew you were in trouble, right? That's not what's happening here. It's really more of a term of endearment. Martha, you can almost hear. Uh, I can put it in some southernese. Martha, Martha. You know, I mean, it was just like he was just saying to her, Now, wait a minute, Martha. You are anxious and troubled. If If you want, we could do the whole message on... Anxious and troubled and distracted. Okay, <laughs> you see those words, distracted. And then he said, "You are anxious and troubled about many things." What were the many things? Well, for her to be a good hostess, she was going to serve something to her guest. I mean, even in our day, if they come at mealtime, then you, you know you you, you got to be ready to go ahead and invite them to stay. And if they show up unexpected in the afternoon, you at least have to put on a coffee pot or something, right? I mean, it was just good way to show hospitality for her to do something to feed them. But Jesus said, you are troubled and you are anxious about many things. But catch this, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion Which will not be taken away from her. Different translations deal with that portion word. But it means the part. Or it could even refer to the division of labor. Or the portion on your plate. Okay. So now you have a picture. Martha says come into our house. Two sisters invitation. Teaching. Jesus is teaching. And Mary sitting at the feet. Conflict. Martha comes in and says, she's not helping me, she's not carrying her weight. And then Jesus corrects her with, she's chosen the good thing, and it will not be taken away from her. So what can we learn from this account? I believe there's some things we should just start with observing. And here's the first observation. It's a false dichotomy. It's a false choice to say that in this passage, Jesus is saying we should not be working. We should always be worshiping. That's not what he's saying. And, and I think even the context helps you with that because he just got through talking about the Good Samaritan. You remember there was a priest that passed by on the other side of the road. There was a Lev- Levite that passed by on the other side of the road. They were too busy with their worship services to help the guy in the ditch in need but the Samaritan came by layman versus clergy if you will (laughs) All right, he came by and he took the guy he helped him he took him into town he got him something to eat he helped him get cleaned up and he told the guy let him stay and I'll pay if there's more I'll come back and pay it I mean it was a great example and Jesus said that's how you love your neighbor Remember, it was love, God with all your heart, love, your neighbor as yourself. So there was the expression of our love for God is seen by the way we serve and treat our neighbor. So this is not a choice between some worship and the inferior ones work. Look, Martha was trying to do a good thing. And you're going to hear us talk for the rest of February. We're trying to build up our Sunday serve teams because we, we need people to serve with our children. And if you have children, I hope you're taking a turn term in, term in, term in rotation. We need people back there helping with the children. We, we need people who are welcoming. What a great uh, hospitality welcoming team we had here today getting things started. We have a worship team. We have certain things that we need just for one hour on Sunday. But listen, serving the Lord is not just what you do in the activity in the church house. Some of you have incredible gifts of hospitality. Some of you have incredible gifts of service. And the body of Christ needs you to be a pace setter for us. And and sometimes make us realize that we just walked right past something that we should have done. So it's healthy when there is working and worship. But in this case, the observation is Jesus is saying you can get so busy doing the work, that you don't know who you're working to serve. You don't even know why you're doing it. So that's a fair observation. Here's a second observation. There's a false identity that can come when we get our value from our work. A few years ago, I learned a very fancy term. It was called role deprivation. Now, I learned it because of someone that we had in our life and we watched as she responded where her husband had been the pastor for 40 years and then all of a sudden she's not the pastor's wife anymore. And our hearts just broke for her trying to say, come on, yeah, help us love these people. They're, they're your people too, right? But I learned the struggle of role deprivation and I've seen it when people lose their jobs, when people retire. I've seen it when, when when there's a marriage breakup or when children leave and go away to school. I mean, there's all kinds of things that go on in showing us that and those are pretty extreme cases, but they're the everyday cases of feeling like if you've got the title in front of your name, if you're have your place on the org chart, then you're worth more than someone else. And we know the scripture blows that apart. Remember when Jesus said, don't be like the Gentiles who lord over the others and ask them to be served. But if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you've got to learn to be the servant of all. Because even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life his ransom for many. So don't take the false choice of work or worship and don't take the false identity of finding your value from your work. I think those are observations that come right out of this account. But there's one more. <clears throat> this is kind of where I want us to dwell today. The urgent can make us miss the important the urgent everything's urgent everything becomes the top thing and we make the to-do list over and over again and we can never get it all done so what can we learn from Mary in this case Of taking time to sit at the feet of Jesus so I want to take these next few moments and just talk with you about learning to sit at Jesus feet maybe you've heard people talk about having a quiet time or you've heard people talk about having their personal devotionals I'm guessing that today those listening to me whether it's here or online or those that might listen to this on another occasion some have been to church they've been trained in quiet time things and others have don't even know what you're talking about is that like being sent to your room because you got to take time out <laughs> you know is that is that what it's talking about what does this mean so if you feel like this is too elementary for you uh well just just please don't all right we all need to have this lesson in our life constantly learning to sit at Jesus feet first it's a personal time now I don't mean that you get the right to just you know interpret the Bible to make it say anything you want but I am challenging you that learning to sit at Jesus feet is a time that you need to make it a personal interaction with him it's not just for your head it's for your heart it's it's not just perfunctory that you go through the motions but it's something where you genuinely talk and listen to him it's a personal time now I know that we have families who thought they could control their schedule until children came along, (laughs) and then how children change everything about your schedule. I'm not saying that the most spiritual people are those who spend an hour and a half in prayer every morning. You know, I'm not trying to put you in that kind of bondage. But I am trying to challenge you somewhere, sometime in your day, to find time to make a personal encounter A quiet be still and know that he is God moment in your life with Jesus assuming that most of you have claimed to already be a follower of Jesus this is what disciples do now the second thing I want to say about learning to sit at Jesus feet is that it's a time to gain perspective because when we hold it up and compare it to him Oh, think about how perspective changes. (laughs) Think about how big your children's problems are. And you look and say, that's not a big deal. There are more toys. (laughs) You know, you could play with another toy, but it's like all-consuming. And you can almost think that when we come to God sometimes, he's looking at us like, You're so cute. You know, I mean, that's not that big a deal. You've totally missed perspective on this. But when we learn to sit at Jesus' feet, it's a time for us to stop and bring it to him and lay it before him and ask him to give us perspective. It's also a time to hear his word. God's word is something that is not just that we read it, but we let it read us. We, we don't just call the words, but we listen for the still small voice. When God is giving us direction and God is giving us perspective and God is challenging us, meeting us at the point of interacting with him. Now, do I believe that it's okay to use devotional books? Of course you can. I was laughing with a preacher the other day. We were talking and he was teaching a, a, about five or six young pastor students and he said, you know guys, when I get up in the morning, I, I, don't, I usually just don't read to my, for my Bible the first thing. He said, I've got a couple of books that I pick up and, and I just read a page or two. And he said, those guys were looking at me like, so it's okay to not read your Bible first? And, just, <laughs> and so we were laughing saying, come on. I mean, if you want to read Spurgeon's daily devotional, go for it. If, if you, if you want to uh, read my utmost for his highest, go for it. If, if there's something that helps you get kind of kickstart, you know, it moves you toward your meeting with God, hey, that's fine. But make sure at some point You're not just letting somebody tell you what they think about the Bible, but you're opening the Bible for yourself. Now you say, Pastor, are you trying to dump this big guilt trip on us? No. Well, unless, unless the Spirit of God is convicting you that you're ignoring Him, distracted in the kitchen by too many things, and never sitting at His feet, then You do business with him, okay? I'm not trying to dump guilt on you. I'm just trying to help you see what it means to sit at Jesus' feet. It's a time to hear his word. And, you know, believe it or not, I redid this outline like 20 times trying to decide what to include. I can tell you what will be included when you hear his word. It will be gospel-centered. It will focus on the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. When you hear his word, he will show us, me and you, that we're sinners and we need a savior. It will always be that way. And so it will be grace-centered, of God opening his arms up to us, inviting us to come to him. It will be gospel-centered. There's so many things we could say about it, but it's a time to... Personally interact with him, gaining perspective on the day and the problems and hearing his word. It's also a time to respond to what he says. Not just to hear what he says. Remember what James said? Be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Don't just come and say, well that was a good thing, close your Bible, walk away and never do anything about it. Are you just a hearer of the word? Or are you one that wants to do what he says? Well, I decided if we're going to learn to respond to him, maybe we should anticipate certain things he might say when we sit at his feet. So I thought, well, who has made that simple? Well, I remember a little acrostic of Acts, you pray with adoration, confession, thanksgiving and supplication and and that that's a good pattern to approach with prayer. But what about approaching God's word and listening to him through his word? And and I remembered that Rick Warren, the author of Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren in teaching people to meditate on God's word years ago used the word space to help people anticipate what god might be saying in his word and whether you caught it or not spell down that way and you see the word space okay s-p-a-c-e i can tell you a little secret it's really okay with me if you forget that word okay it's really okay with me in two weeks. There's not going to be a test when you come in. I'm going to say, all right, everybody that can tell me what the word space stands for, raise your hand. You know, no, no this, it's not a test on that. This is just an illustration to help you see the kinds of things God might be saying when we open his word. Okay, deal? Just kind of do your head like this. You, you get the point now, right? You see what we're illustrating, all right? So let's illustrate it with the word space. I shouldn't have put them all up there one time, so you are gonna go ahead and write them all down if you like. <laughs> I'll wait, all right? But, but here they go. A sin to confess. Often when we open God's word, it's like a mirror, and we look in it, and we go, oh, my, that's, that's just not right. I need to make that right. Sometimes it's a promise that we can claim where God's telling us what he's like and what he will do and we need to take him at his word as we're sitting at the feet of Jesus sometimes it's an attitude that we need to correct Martha Martha you're too distracted and concerned about so many things of service that you're missing the point of sitting at my feet a command to obey here's what you need to do or an example to follow I gave you some references on that, so let's just take a moment and look at each of those verses. First, a sin to confess. You probably know 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we confess, we agree with God that what we've done is wrong, He's faithful and He's just. He's going to do what He said, but He's not going to say... Well, let me try to forget it no he's gonna take the debt of our sin and see it paid for by Christ on the cross he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin cleanse us from all unrighteousness so we sit at Jesus feet sometimes it's a sin to confess what about a promise to claim Uh, I'd like if you have your pen handy I'd like for you not just to correct but add to this reference that I gave you here in second Peter it's really Chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Okay, you need to get verse 4 in there as well. It says that God's divine power has granted us all things. You might want to underline that if you're looking at it. He's granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He granted to us precious and very great promises. God has given us incredible promises, can you name one? What's one of the ones that is in the Bible just continuously? I'll be with you always. I'll not forsake you. I'll always be with you. He's given us precious promises. And notice what it says. So that through them, the what? The promises and the glory and excellence, and the good things that He's given us pertaining to life and godliness, through those things, you become partakers of the divine nature. You begin to experience the new life that you know in Christ when you take Him at His word and you claim what He says in His promise. So sometimes it's a sin to confess. Sometimes it's a promise to claim. Sometimes it's an attitude to correct. If you're still turning with me, I decided to make this one close. In First Peter chapter 2, just for an example, listen to what the scripture says. Put away, this is in the context, by the way, of hearing the word. All of this is talking about you letting God speak to you. All right? And he says, So then, put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Attitudes. I want to warn you. Let me just let me just tell you, I'm not, I'm not playing any games here. If you sit at Jesus' feet and you look in His face, He's going to reveal your bad attitude. He'll show you. Now He won't hold up His fist at you. He'll hold out a nail scarred hand to you, but. He'll show you your bad attitude. I remember one night we'd gone over to a friend's house and his little, I think she was probably two, maybe, maybe three at the time. Uh, it was after a long day at the church house. We'd gone over. I was laying on the sofa. We're good friends, right? I'm laying stretched out on the sofa watching Sunday night football. And this little girl walks over to me and she says, "Pato." that's this that's that's how she said pastor Pato, I have a bad attitude mommy told me because of my bad attitude I had to go to my room I said well I'm sorry Laura I hope to see you again soon and she went away to her room and 15 minutes later she comes back Pato, I have a good attitude now Well, welcome back, honey. I hope you last, right? When we sit at the feet of Jesus and he speaks to us about what's right and what's wrong in our life, he gives us an attitude to correct. Sometimes he gives us a command to obey. I just listed this one out of John because Jesus uses the word commandment. He says, a new commandment I give you. Okay, sounds like a command to me that you love one another just as I have loved you you're also to love one another it's not optional it's part of what we do he goes on to say in the very next verse by this will all people know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another it goes with the territory it's not optional equipment okay when the Holy Spirit comes to live in our heart and He's living the life of Christ, the resurrected life of Christ in us from the inside out, He moves us to love people we never thought we would love and to forgive people we never thought we would forgive and to respond to people in a Christ-like way that we could never do on our own. How do you get that regularly built into your life? You sit the feet of Jesus and listen to him talk about sins to confess promises to claim, attitudes to correct, commands to obey and examples to follow and when I filled that one out I had to chuckle like Mary in the very account we're reading And so when we read that should it make us say Oh, Lord, I'm so busy doing stuff. I'm not stopping to talk to you. And i got to make that right. And it's not just something we do in the beginning of the morning, fold up our Bible and our spiritual reading plan and walk away and never talk to Jesus again until tomorrow morning. (laughs) Doesn't work that way. But it's a great time to cultivate hearing and responding to his voice. So, let's say today you wanted to learn how to sit at the feet of Jesus. Then, how should you take these things? Where should you start? Well, let's, let's talk about putting it into practice for just a moment. I love the phrase in Scripture, purpose in your heart. Paul uses it in 2 Corinthians. I mean, yeah, it is 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, when he's talking about them giving, and he says, let every man give as he's purposed in his heart. Now, when you purpose in your heart, it's not like a New Year's resolution, okay? It, it, it's not something that you set on your, just on your goal sheet that you, that you want to accomplish. I, I mean, it's so much more than that. It's like, Lord, I need this. And by your grace, would you help me to do this, to to build this into my life? You decide, you purpose, you plea, okay? You, You say that you want it. That's what I want. I mean, is there something in you this morning that says, I want to sit at Jesus' feet. I don't mean to be the distracted Martha all the time want that kind of intimacy with him then just tell him Lord that's what I want in my heart and perhaps you need to talk about a plan what would be a good plan where do you start big book where do you start I've got a fresh challenge for you we gave you a challenge in January to read through the New Testament with us and we said, if you'll read a chapter a day, spend about five minutes reading a chapter a day. And only do it Monday through Friday, so when you mess up, you can, get, you can catch up on Saturday and Sunday, all right? So five days a week, for about five minutes, read one chapter. And in a week, you'll cover five. And you say, yeah, it sounded good, but I didn't do it. Or, yeah, I started, but I, I, I'm behind. Well, hey, let me give you a new one. If you want to start right now, and between now and Easter... Read the Gospel of Luke. Start with Luke. Start there tomorrow. Or go home this afternoon and get a head start. All right? Start with Luke. And you'll find that Luke has 24 chapters. And I think there are 30 weekdays, I think. I remember right. Between now and Easter. So, So you can get there. And just read that one book during the time. And tomorrow morning... Pick up the little reading guide back there at the back and jump down to where it starts with Luke and just follow right through. Maybe that's not your plan. Maybe you don't want to read for mileage. You just want to read for a little meat, okay? Then read a proverb a day. Start with the day of the month, okay? Look at the calendar and see what day it is and read the proverb that has that same number. Something in there will speak to you, I promise talks a lot about how you treat people and what you do or read a psalm just just pick a psalm and read it and if it helps you I take a pen and I write at the beginning of that chapter 2 21 so I remember it was February 21 when I, I read that chapter so I can see and keep up if I'm following through start with a plan you know it's been calculated that people spend more time planning a week away than they do their time with God. You say, well, I don't have to plan very much. You know, we go to the same beach house every year as a family. Well, you probably have to plan what you're going to take. Does everybody have a swimming suit? You know, what about a towel? How do you make all that work? when it's important... You make a plan. If you're going to go to the dentist, you get an appointment. You don't just show up and say, hey, can we talk? You know, I mean, you you make a plan. So I'm not trying to make those temperaments who are not planners feel guilty. I'm just trying to say, if you want to learn to sit at the feet of Jesus, then figure out when and how you can do it. And it changes. I remember one pastor being asked, can you tell us how how you spend time with the Lord? He said, no. I said, why not? Say, because as soon as I tell you, you're going to all go home and try to do that, and, and then next week I'm going to decide I'm not going to do it that way anymore because I've changed so many times through the years. You know, I've had lots of different patterns through the years. So I, I'm not trying to tell you one that's going to always work and be right for you, but pick a plan, and then when you do it, see that as a priority, not just a hope so. Find a way to say, This is how I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus. And by God's grace, I'm going to do it. The story is told of a guy who taught on time management. He went into a seminar and he had a big table set up with a skirt on it. So you couldn't see what was under it. He reached under it and he took out a big jar. And then he reached under it and he took out a box that had some pretty good-sized rocks. And he started taking those big rocks and putting them down into the jar until it came right up to the top of the jar. And he said, so do you think this is full? And everybody said, well, yeah, it's pretty full. He said, no, not really. So he, he reached in and he took out a little pail that had some little pebbles. And he started pouring those pebbles in and shaking them around. Till he just about filled up the jar with those pebbles. And they said, he said, so you think it's full? They said, well, after last time, no, I'm going to say no. So he said, yeah, okay. So he took some sand and he started pouring the sand in and he, he tried his best to get it just as full as possible with the sand. And he said, so what about now? Do you think it's full? They said, well, probably not. He said, yeah, one more thing. Reached under, took some water, poured water in until it was all the way up to the top with the big rocks, the pebbles, the sand, And then the water. And he said, do you know what the lesson is? One guy said, there's always more you can add to your life. (laughs) He said, no, that's not the lesson. The lesson is, if I'd started with the water, there would not have been room for the big rocks. You need to put the big rocks in first with all my heart I believe sitting at Jesus' feet is a big rock and if it's worth putting in the jar it's worth finding a plan and doing it so Father hear our heart cry we know at times we get so caught up that we are just like Martha not only do we miss sitting at your feet, but we get frustrated with other people in the body of Christ because they're not doing what we want to do the way we want it done. Father, Father teaches how to sit at Jesus' feet. For some, morning is easy. For others, it's bedtime. For some, it's a quiet moment during a lunch break. For others, it's riding in the commute of cultivating some time to talk to you. So whether we listen to your word, record it, or read your word on the page, Lord, draw us close to you. By your spirit, draw us to sit at your feet. And may we not just be hearers of the word. May we become doers of the word that know how to work and how to worship. In Jesus' name. Why don't you stand? Let's sing this song together.